Hey everyone, Christian here. I just want to take a minute to thank everyone who became a new patron or increased their pledge. We hit our $500 per episode goal and then some. That means we are going to be commissioning original artwork for each chapter, including this one that you're about to hear. $3 and up patrons will get a high-res digital version, $5 and up patrons will get a sticker in the mail, uh, and $45 and up patrons will get a poster. And our plan is to ship all of those out by the time we do the end of chapter live stream and if you still want to get in on the artwork it is not too late you can become a patron at any time and if three dollars is more than you can manage right now um, you won't get the artwork but you can become a one dollar patron and still get episodes the night before everybody else uh, with an option to download in high fidelity but most importantly thank you again to everyone who pledged or who helped us spread the word your contributions are going to go a long way towards making this show sustainable and maybe even profitable one day in the distant future maybe for everyone involved and we really 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 appreciate appreciate it. Now, one programming note with those same goals in mind, starting with our next episode on April 7th, you may start to hear paid ads at the top of our episodes. Um, that will always be at the top. We will never interrupt a story episode with an ad. We're also going to try to keep the entire pre-roll process under two minutes. And lastly, we are going to try to advertise things that we actually think you will like. Patrons will, of course, be able to hear the episodes ad-free through the Patreon-exclusive podcast feed, but if you've always wanted to support the show financially but couldn't commit to a Patreon pledge, listening to the ads is a great way to do it that costs you no more than two minutes. And uh, maybe the next time you need something one of our sponsors is selling, you uh, think about buying it from them? And then, boom, podcast supported. Um, okay, I've been talking for a while. I will let you get to the episode. Thank you again, and enjoy the show. This episode contains material that may be especially upsetting to some listeners. Please check the content notes in the episode description for details and use your best judgment in listening. The script for this episode is linked in the episode description and past scripts can be found at onceinfuturenerd.com scripts. The Once and Future Nerd Book 2 Myth Made Flesh Chapter 5 An Impregnable Missive Part 1 by Ian Harkins, Shannon Harris and Christian T. Kelly Madeira As you may recall from the last time we spoke, Major Zicard had ushered Nia's parents into her confidence under the not entirely false pretense that Nia was in grave, grave peril. Peril? What kind of peril? It's, a uh, best discussed in private. Will you come with me? Of course. You're welcome in our priory, of course. Thank you, but, uh, let us use the garrison's keep. If you think that's best... The keep has provisions we'll need when my lord commander comes through. Will you come? I'm afraid the matter is urgent. Lead the way, my lord. Well, I understand if you can't talk about it aloud, but could I at least see the letter? My wife does worry so about her girl. Well, it's in Helig, of course. That's all right. We've a tiny bit of Helig between us. You do? Mia tried to teach us. 
We never got the hang of speaking it, but we could probably read well enough to understand. Well, um, nevertheless, perhaps you'd better be seated in any case. Kaladin above. Is it that bad? Come, we mustn't dawdle. Major Zikard quickened her pace to a near jog, and the two reverends, after sharing a look between them, could not but follow. And as they entered the imposing stone fortress which usually housed Seahold's garrison, it was impossible not to notice the heft of the doors as the two elvish infantrymen quickly closed them. Now, you had questions. Where is me daughter? What trouble is she in? Unfortunately, that information is classified. But you just However, said that. it is my charge to assist in retrieving her. And though it pains me to bring such alarming news, I hope there's some consolation that you can play a critical role in her recovery. Killin' help us. Keep me baby safe. We should never have let her leave Seahold. I told you, Ben. She Sweetheart. was too young Sweetheart. and naive. Sweetheart, stay calm. Oh, calm, Ben. Ben tried to console his wife with an embrace. What do you need from us? Well, although my superiors know much of your daughter's predicament, her exact location has vexed us. If you had anything at your disposal that may help us locate her... The reverends loosened their embrace and peered into one another's eyes, as if searching for a mutually agreeable response. Anything at all? I'm sorry, you're understandably startled. No, you are right. There's no time to waste. We'll need to head back to our priory. But as Mildred took a step toward the exit, Zikard subtly, deftly, positioned her armoured body in the way. The decisiveness of the gesture was not lost on Mildred or Ben. Oh, please, if you must leave, allow me to escort you. Or better yet, send one of my pages back to town to gather what you need. We're a team now, you see. Though the Major was smiling, the Reverends could not detect the warmth of camaraderie in her eyes. Via another shared, piercing look, they communicated with each other their mutually agreed-upon response. We know just how to find her. Clergy throughout Jordan have a network that we use to stay connected with notices like... Like marriages and who's expecting. Yes, typically armless messages. Everyday things like births and deaths anyhow, not missing children. Sweetheart. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I'm not, but uh, the point is, that's how we find her. M and N. M-N-N? Monastery News, News Network. Monastery for short. Of course. If we compose a message and get it to the rookery, it can be to every decent house of worship in the realm by sunup. A most useful resource indeed. Shame, almost, that its use has been limited to quotidian goings on. Uh, I... Have well... you got parchment and quill? I'll get working on the message. That can be arranged. Private! Now, I must warn you, we must be exceptionally careful in how we word our message, for reasons I cannot yet divulge. I'll need to carefully read whatever you send. If you insist... I'm afraid I must. For your own safety and that of your daughter, of course. As I said, we're a team now. Major Zikard was, of course, awaiting the return of her commanding officer, 
Lord Relatit, who was attending to some important business at the recently rebuilt Fortress of Freehold. Now, I have been a storyteller since... Well, perhaps I shouldn't date myself. It doesn't help for casting. Let's just say I've been at it for a long time. And I know what I mean when I say that Ree proved herself quite the thespian as she addressed the Freehold garrison. Citizens, soldiers, dearly beloved friends, it pains me to have to break this news and to you whom the Knights of the Wood consider as close as brethren. A light has gone out in this land for all races allied with Galadin. Beloved commander Bryce Riverfell has been assassinated. How did this calamity happen, my lord? Well, I confess, my closest advisers feared that promulgating the circumstances of this tragedy would be too harrowing for his devoted people to hear. But I have seen you all test your mettle in battle. You are my cousins forged in the fight, and I say you have the right to know. My knights had been searching for a particular Templar encampment for some time, and not too long ago they finally found it. I hoped General Riverfell would join me on our raid, as he knew the terrain better than we ever could, and was of course near peerless among men in battle. Brave as the general was, he needed no convincing. But before we could mount our assault, the mighty Bryce took ill. I came to realize, too late, curse my carelessness, that he had been poisoned. <laughs> Ladies, farewell, I'm afraid. The most unfortunate way to die. While most of the gathered crowd had fallen to lamentations over their beloved superior, the professor watched Relotit like a hawk. Now I shall not spare you these particulars, for they speak of his enduring love for his people. As he lay dying in my arms, he gathered himself to tell me, General Relotit, help my people, protect them, for enemies gather from the outside all around. We must band together stronger than ever with our allies. What remains a mystery, however, is how his assassins could have gotten so close without being discovered. I will now submit myself to your questions. I cannot help you if I cannot understand you. Now who is the ranking officer here? Clarence is second in command. But he left this morning on a patrol, so I'm the ranking officer present. Very well. I'm sure you have questions on behalf of your men. Have you learned anything which may lead us to Bryce's assassins? All we can say is what we know from past experiences. The Templars are adept in infiltrating the inner circles of their targets. They work in subterfuge to turn those on the inside. Usually someone who manifests a connection with the chaotic arts. I urge you all to be wary and vigilant. Any information, however small, could be vital to our investigation. What of the girl? The one from the battle? Do you mean the one called Jen? Wasn't a fortnight ago that she fought with us against the Orcish Onslaught, killing not a few Templars in the process? Do you mean to suggest she was working with them this whole time? Re seemed to ponder. Someone with those abilities would certainly be a target for the Templars. And the Templars care little for the lives of their comrades, especially if it serves their grander mission. With all due respect, Lord Commander, General Riverfell trust. He trusted them. Precisely what I mean. 
I hope we are overthinking it, but those interlopers would have been in prime position to set a trap for dear Bryce. Captain, can you say what Commander Riverfell knew of why they were here? Can anyone? Brennan Greyfeld and that peasant girl came to see the general in his study. He sent us away. Bryce went to go see them in their tent before they left here. The mage girl would have been there too. Put the word out that Jen the mage is wanted for questioning in connection to the investigation. It is prudence itself. Surely you can see that, Professor. I pray she has nothing to hide. But in the meantime, I shall leave a retinue of elves to help in whatever way you deem. Now, has anyone any idea where our interlopers might have gone? Anyone? A river barge left for sea hold-off schedule. It was loaded with food, only... No one told me to deduct anything from our count of stores. I see. The full picture falls into place. As a point of honor for the debt I owe Riverfell, I volunteer to go to Seahold to find the sorceress. Now to your posts! We travel for a moment down to the frigid waters of Jordan's South Sea. Life here is hard, even in the summer. But now, as the nights draw longer and the sun grows more shy, it is only the bravest, or the most desperate, who still fish these waters. Oh, damn it! That was nothing. We had a deal, Rollo. I fish, you shut up and steer the boat. I haven't seen you fish in a week. I've seen you throw spears in the water, but I count no fish. Rollo, I swear... Wait, I saw something. No, you didn't. Come look! I thought you fished and I steered the boat. Shut up! Come quickly, I think it's a seal. Maybe even a sea lion. It's not a... Wait, I see it. Do you? I think it is a seal. Where is she? There. See her? Yes, I got her! The woman raised her harpoon to strike. Get it, get it, get it, get it! What are you waiting for? Shut up! I'm concentrating! Don't let her get away! And then she felt the tug in the rope that told her the missile had stuck in something. I... I've got her! I've got her! Help me pull her in! Come on, come on, come on, come on! Make some effort! Almost! With a desperate, mighty heave, they at last pulled their quarry aboard, falling backwards into each other from the effort. <laughs> all in all, it was a pleasant moment of hard-fought human triumph. Should we get a look at her? Yes, let's. But as they sat up to inspect their haul, <gasps> both recoiled in disgust, for they had caught not a seal or a sea lion, but a decrepit human corpse. Who's that? Dear gods, I think it is. But seeing the corpse, one might forgive their initial mistake. What flesh had not sloughed off the bone was ashen and waterlogged, and the body wore a robe blasted by time and salt to a dull grey, which was now slick and shiny with accumulated seaweed. The resulting appearance was not entirely unlike a seal. Should, um... Mm. Should we throw it back in, or...? No, you should not! Who said that? I did. Ah! Yes, hello! Now sitting upright, 
The corpse, who you know as Renaud d'Esprit, proceeded to remove the harpoon that was lodged in his flank. There we are. You may have this back. He extended the safe end of the harpoon towards the boatsman. It's hers. She does all the fishing. She does? Hmm. That's fine, I suppose. Nothing the matter with that. How are you talking? I can hear you, but... I'm missing my jaw. Yes, dreadful business, that. A lesson against keeping false friends. But the past is past, and by your comprehension, it seems I have mastered arcane speech. I knew I would, of course, but fish make poor conversation, so it was hard to be sure. Uh, my good man, uh, do you not enjoy fishing, is that it? You're um, speaking with magic? Well, speech is but the movement of oscillates in the air. I am merely using magic to do what muscles in my throat once easily... I'm sorry. It's just that historically, men have tended to spearfish, probably because of their superior upper body strength. My grandmother fished. So did her grandmother. But that's not... I mean real history. The two mariners shared a very perplexed look. anything. Food? Or medicine? It's really nothing personal. It's just that spearfishing was very important to my childhood. Would you like a go then? My luck's been rubbish lately. Oh, no, no, no. I don't fish. But you just said... When I said fishing was important to my childhood, I meant the general idea of fishing, which is, of course, a man's work. And I am very clearly a man. Ergo, fishing is very important to me. And I'd prefer she not do it if we must get right down to it. Uh, look, I, I hope you won't take this the wrong way, but you don't seem well. Oh, yes, there it is. So much for the tolerant fisherman. I'm trying to engage you in a civil debate about fishing and who is best suited to it, and you stoop to personal attacks. It's not a personal attack. He means you've got no legs or guts and your skin's all falling off. So it's shaming my body now, is it? Now we see who truly objectifies whom. I didn't. You're stuck up and ugly. I never wanted to bed you anyway. What? Hey, watch how you talk to her. I can see you're both getting emotional. Of course I am, you crat. I don't see why. I've only been polite and rational. I should throw you off my boat. No, I don't think so. No! In many ways, being underwater so long was excellent practice. Ah! Oh, you bastard Nick me! I long ago mastered the art of controlling lesser beasts, of course. Ow. But it's been a treat to practice it on beasts still living. Oh. Oh. All right! What? You can fish, just, just leave us alone! Oh, too late oh. for that, I'm afraid. Oh. Off you are! Oh. Though they'd at first tried to fight off this alien onslaught, they were soon left with no choice but to throw themselves overboard. Mind the water, it's a bit chilly. You're a monster! <laughs> I'm a free thinker is what I am! Won't let myself be censored. 
Not by you, not by the college. Brilliance is a great burden, but I've the intellectual courage to bear it. Just roaming around in circles, you dolt. Shut up and let me live in my truth. You're still roaming in circles just the other way. I'm getting the hang of it. Miss Bailey awoke in the common room of her own inn. <gasps> Hi. Oh. <sighs> She was slumped over a cold and uneaten dinner for two. Next to her was a fine old bottle of wine, which had been uncorked, poured from into Bailey's glass thrice, and then abandoned. Curse. Now he comes. Miss Bailey's anger as she walked to her door was as a thunderbolt cutting through the cloudy haze of too little food and too much wine. Don't know what he takes me for. Lousy, flea-bitten tramp like him. Like I'm some dizzy young thing who can drop her chores and throw him a screw out back at the drop of a hat. Who doesn't have work to do. Bad enough I can barely keep a barmaid around for more than a week. Well, what do you have to say But for the man standing at her door was not the one she expected instead of her Bryce Riverfell. It was the captain known as the Professor who waited on her threshold, and she noticed that his sad eyes could not quite meet her gaze, despite his obvious effort. Maeve, can we sit down somewhere and talk? But Maeve Bailey's knees were already weak. How? The Knights of the Wood say it was a Templar assassination that they poisoned him. Thank you for riding out to tell me. Are you certain I can't I've had you so a... many nightmares about this day. Now that it's here, I keep expecting to wake up. Bailey reached up and pinched one of her cheeks until a single tear ran down it. Worth a try. I wish I had the right words. Not as if he didn't try and prepare me. Soldier's life this. Soldier's life that. The tears were falling thicker and faster now. behalf. I'm sure Bryce's men need you. Maeve, look at me. I'm sorry, I really am. I've been dreading this next part even more than the first, but I decided you ought to know. Bailey's eyes were wide with concern as the professor leaned in very close. I don't believe the Knights of the Wood. What? I'm almost certain the Templars didn't poison Bryce. Then who did? 
the night he rode off with the knights, I was in his study with him. He had a drink before he left, didn't offer me any, which, knowing him, I thought was odd. He kept the whiskey under lock and key and put it right back when he was done pouring. I think he knew it was poisoned and he drank it anyway. Probably even poisoned it himself, if I had to guess. How can you say that about him? Why would you come here to tell me that? I... Get out. No, you misunderstand. I don't believe he wished to die. I believe he preferred death to some other outcome. And what have you decided that might be? I don't know, yet. But I suspect he might have run afoul of the elves somehow. And worse than he feared death, he feared their reprisal might circle back to those closest to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. You could be in danger. I understand. So, what now? We've a very stark choice. I know that if Bryce broke some law or oath that meant his life, he had a very honorable reason to do it. And I also know that elves are relentless in the enforcement of their laws. So our choice now is how to honor his memory. We can honor his final cause and find out why and whether he came to defy the law, consequences be damned. Or we can honor his final wish and live out our lives in the peace and safety for which he gave his life. I see. Bailey took a thorough look around her and several long breaths. I know what I choose. I feared you might. Is there any chance I might change your mind? Unlikely. Long life and peaceful death are no small things. I'm not exactly young. And I doubt dying's much fun no matter how you do it. Then let me just say this. I know Bryce loved you very much. Your safety and comfort were his dying wish. Soldiers die violently so that others may live peacefully. I heard him say that a thousand thousand times. And though he meant it to be understood generally, I know he was thinking of you when in need of courage. So I need to try. Try to keep you safe. That's the debt I owe the departed. Well, I've heard you. I'll be sure to vouch for you when next we see Bryce. Maeve. Roy, look around me. Do you see any children? Do you see the trappings of wealth? I see a profitable inn, which is nothing to flippantly discard. My sister gave me this place. Bryce gave me nothing I can hold. For 30 years, I gave that man all of my love. And for better or worse, I think he loved me as best he could. I know he did. But all I've got to show for it is the memory of him. And all his fullness and foibles and causes. Without that, I'm just a lonely old maid who wasted her life on a bonny young soldier with a pretty voice who told her pretty things and never planned to marry her. Can you understand that? Yes. And so I can't just traipse off into the sunset like nothing happened and Bryce just passed away from old age. So, once more, what now? Well, Bryce, I tried. If I'm being honest, I was of two minds when I came here. And one of them is glad to hear you say that. If we're to uncover what we're up against, your sisters could be us a great boon. What should I ask them to do? For now, keep their ears open. I suspect the elves may shift their attention to unusual places. I would know what they begin asking and of whom. Let me know all you hear, but do keep your head down. 
my family's great skill. Not all rebels need be martyrs. I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner. My mind must have been on... Well, anyhow. Relo Tate was here not a few nights ago. She was? Up and carted away one of my barmaids. And her sister. Well, they said they were sisters. She never came back either after that. Wait, come to think of it, Bryce brought me those barmaids. <laughs> Told me they needed jobs and asked me not to ask questions. Bryce, what were you playing at? Strange. Did you catch anything that Relotide had to say to them? Well, she was hunting for orcs and templars, and she also asked after the missing Lady Arlene Redmore, or I think she said it was Mooncrest now, but with my barmaid she was most concerned with a missing child. I suppose, looking back, it's odd that an elf of her rank would concern herself with that. Indeed. Anyhow, this barmaid had taken in a stranded babe after the battle, and Relotite believed it was the same one as had gone missing. Your erstwhile barmaids. Was one of them tall and slender, with copper skin and black hair? She was. That's why I thought it was odd her sister was pale and plump with red hair, but at the time I reckoned parents take in other children often enough. She was at Freehold. She came to talk to Bryce when Brennan of Greyfield was in to see him. Curiouser and curiouser. This gives us somewhere to start. And some good Claire questions to ask my sisters, starting with what Lady Arlene Redmore looked like. I'd not be shocked to learn she's pale and plump with red hair. Good. I'll return to Freehold. The garrison's been tasked with aiding the elves in their so-called investigation. I'll do my best to direct it in our favour. My men have much love and trust for Relotite, but I pray unearthing the right information may shake their loyalty. And let's meet again when we can. A fortnight from today? I prefer sooner. Re is not like to leave loose threads hanging for very long. If we meet any sooner, I'm not sure what I'll have learned from my sisters. Well, let's meet anyway, before week's end. Each just to see how the other is doing. Very well. And this should go without saying. If I miss our meeting, run. The Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Glass and Christian T. Kelly Madeira, and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. Alex Story and Ryan Cushman are associate producers. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel. Garrett Arman. Dan Dobransky. Anya Gibeon. Ian Hawkins. Shannon Harris. All Notice. Juliet Prather. Frank Quares. Julie Reed. Gregory M. Schultz. Guest performances this chapter by Beth Eyre and Felix Trench. Production audio recording by Jared Paul. Editing by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. Sound design and post-production mixing by Matthew Boudreaux. Tom Lee is our musical director and lead composer with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceinfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr or Reddit. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying the Once and Future Nerd, you might enjoy this show from our friends. Are you tired of the domestic discussions of the more pedestrian podcasts? Looking for a more enlightened way to talk about video games? Then look no further than Left Trigger, Right Trigger, 
the video game book club, where four hosts discuss the more sophisticated issues in games. Topics include body parts, Zelda, The Division, Hyperlight Tokyo Drifter, Good Vibes, Time Machine, Doing the Gab, Biscuit Faces, Being Terrible, Musapan Sex Dance, The Faces Are Terrible, When the Mouse Is Away, or When the Cat's a Mouse, I can't tell white people apart. My body is going to dissolve. I'm playing wine. The Gashapon is just a womb. Man, this game's got hot orcs. <clears throat> Left trigger, right trigger. Your video game book club. Wow, that was what? really disappointing.